All right, welcome back to the big program. That was a request this morning, wasn't it, Duke? That one from Pillman this Pillman. morning. Pillman, well, any hip song is good, Pillman. There's some great songs over the years <laughs> listening to the hip. Um, a lot of text coming in to one 1440 and the Duke's final question of the day in, in or out is getting a lot of traction, to be honest with you. In a recreational capacity, any sport that can be played while having a drink on the field of play tops ones where you can't. And a lot of golf stories coming in. Uh, Steve from Drumheller says, uh, our goalie had vodka in his water bottle. Just skate by, take a pull, LOL. Uh, Sean says, I'm also guilty for having a drink while golfing. Uh, it's a real problem. <laughs> My wife does, doesn't understand why I just can't have some water. It's it's weird why, you know, a lot of guys can just have water on a course, but, man, the beer cart comes around and you just think, I better have one. Uh, Ricky in the Donut goes, horseshoes as well. A good setup has a sand pit site kind of drink holder. You ever played horseshoes, Duke? Uh, the have. term recreationally would uh, well, probably what, not be professionally. Pretty too, well, <laughs> but I mean, like, no, like, I don't even know if we're playing the right way. Like the scoring, the rules. I, but I, I've thrown horseshoes at a pole in the ground. Yeah. Okay. So if you if the horseshoe goes around, is that worth two? Yeah. Kind of like. Well, I think it's three. A ringer. A ringer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and then if you're touching the side, is touching the 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 post. Yeah. You know, then I think it's one point. Huh. You, I can't believe you you haven't played. Like professional, yeah, professionally, you know, <laughs> like the, the, oh, recreation. There, there's uh, there's some pits out at uh, some like campsites down around mm-hmm. uh, the Delburn area that I've uh, ventured into over the years. But yeah, nothing, nothing too serious in the horseshoes front. More competitive uh, cornhole than I have horseshoes. Uh, can the, oh Nui says, uh, hey fellas, I'm the vice president of the corn cornhole Alberta League. Come out and play. Never really got in, you know. I haven't really played professionally cornhole either, Duke. I'm sure you have, but um, a lot of techs. Uh, also, bo- bocce ball is super underrated. Bocce ball, yes. But again, these are the guys. Like, I mean, have you ever seen an, an Italian play bocce ball without a little grappa going? I mean, they got they got her going. Tiger still all over it. I don't know. Some of these text Tiger can't say it, but uh, really looking forward to our guests coming up here in about, oh, 15 minutes or so. Jeff and Laura Walker will guest with us in studio and how they have the time to do this. It's just uh, amazing. All Travel all over the world. Two young kids, uh, but managed to take some time with us and spend some time with us in the studio. Curling season sort of, I mean... <sighs> As much as I like curling, it's harder for me to get into it early, you know, in the fall. But right now you have, you know, the playdowns and, and you have, you know, the Briars coming up, Scotties are coming up. You, this is the time of the year in early February and late January where things start to kind of get rolling. Although the uh, formats and how you get to certain major events has definitely changed over the years. And we'll talk to... Uh, Jeff and Laura, all about that. And then again at 1040, Hal Gill will be with us, a Nashville Predators analyst. Oilers close out their pre-All-Star season uh, with a game tomorrow. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Brendan Gallagher, the Montreal Canadiens, will have a phone hearing where he will get no more than five games. That's what phone hearings are for his hit on Adam Pellick of the New York Islanders, a blatant hit, uh, target to the head with a kind of a 
chicken wing elbow, if you want to call it. But, I mean, here, th- th- everyone was talking about last night that this is going to be more than five games. And then the NHL Department of Player Safety looks at it last night and says, nope, you're going to have a, a hearing that is just by phone. So a five-game situation there uh, on the books, likely for Brendan Gallagher. Maddie C., Text in one 1440 Croquet, Hall of Fame, hell of a sport, fellas. Uh, if you got a comment on that, send us a text, one 1440 uh, Also, some text coming in a little while ago about the Oilers and the run they are on uh, from Shovelhead. Morning, boys. I don't know if the Oilers look this far ahead, but beating Vegas for the 17th straight win would be a little extra special. Yes, it sure would after what happened in the playoffs last year. Jordan texts in, am I the only one okay with Hyman slash Bouchard slash Skinner? Not being all-stars. Honestly, with our schedule, every day of rest helps, especially with Skinner's workload and the way Hyman plays the game. We have a tough schedule after the break. Duly noted, Jordan. Paul the Chemical Guy had a text a little while ago. I didn't get to it. But how big of an impact is the defenseman staying healthy really in the last two years uh, to be able to coach them into continually improving? Paul the Chemical Guy, and I responded, massive impact. Massive impact in the sense that you can build chemistry. You don't have guys going in and out. Another key aspect of what's been going on with the, uh, the play of the defense is the fact that they have not gone to seven defensemen since Chris Knobloch has arrived. So in the last 31 games, you have not had that seventh guy rotating in on that pair of, uh, usually it would be whatever, DeHarnay and Kulak and uh, Broberg, you know, when he was here, uh, moving into a rotation of three, and sometimes Cody Cece would come out. Uh, But now you've seen, you have seen basically the six defensemen go the pairings have basically stayed the same as well since Chris Knobloch has come on the scene again. Twenty-three and three in the last twenty-six games under Knobloch, twenty-five and six, and more. Eddie Steele even touched on it, and Speck agreed in the sense that thirteen straight games with two goals or fewer allowed—that's a number, remarkable run, remarkable in a fifteen-game winning streak. Only Columbus and Pittsburgh have won more consecutive games. In the NHL, should note that uh, last night's loss for Chicago was the Hawks' 19th straight, 19th straight losses on the road. Ugh. Do you want to get to a little Oilers sound here, Duke, for just a quick one? I think we'll probably stagger the break a little bit and bring because just with uh, Jeff and Laura coming in. Yeah, you betcha. Did we want to hear from uh, Cal Pickard here sure. before uh, we jump into the ski yeah. report? Let's do Cal Pickard, and then we'll get to the ski report. Cal Pickard with a shutout last night, 27 saves. Uh, last time he had a shutout was uh, November 23rd of 2018, and here is what Cal had to say following last night's game. Calvin, it's been, uh, I think, almost six years since you've had a shutout in the NHL. Just some thoughts of being here and having a win like that tonight. Yeah, shutouts are uh, definitely a team stat. I thought we defended well all night. Um, definitely took over towards the latter part of the game. And, um, you know, I made some saves, but I thought we cleared out a lot of rebounds and, and blocked a lot of shots. So it's definitely a, a team shutout for sure. Kevin, you had a start in two weeks. How would you today live, um, stay sharp, and how challenging you 
been for you to you know try to stay sharp? Yeah, I've been th- been through this before for sure. Um, practice time is uh, is big for me. Um, definitely got a lot of time with, with Schwarty and and a lot of team practices. So um, getting my chance to go in today, uh, not putting too much pressure on myself and um, going from there. Calvin, you seem like you're all over that the shot. You feel like you uh, had that track pretty well on the way? Uh, yeah, I just uh, I always remind myself to be patient and uh, get out and have a good gap. So um, when he took that shot, I was in a good spot. So um, it was a good time to make a save right, th- right at the end of the second period there. Do you, I don't know what you thought when you came up originally and joined the Oilers, if it was going to be a long stint or a short one, but you've been here a long time now. This has been like in your personal life. Uh, you're a full-time NHL guy again. I'm not sure if that was in the plans this year. Uh, I mean, it's always what you're striving to do, for sure. Um, when I got called up, it's a good opportunity for me. And, um, you know, it started off with not much action there for a while. But, uh, you know, I've been happy with where my game's at the last couple of months. And uh, I just want to keep doing my thing. What's it been like for you being part of this win streak? seeing it all unfold, being part of it. Yeah, for sure. No, it's, uh, you know, you're not going to have many 15-game winning streaks without two goalies. And um, like I said, when I get my chance to play, I just want to go in and not too, not put too much pressure on myself and, um, you know, stick to the, with the things I know and, and uh, yeah, just do my thing. Is it hard not to put a little pressure on yourself? You don't want to be the guy that goes in there and the street gets <laughs> I mean, if you think of it that way, for sure, you're going to be nervous and, and have a lot of, uh, you don't want to put that pressure on yourself, obviously. It's in the back of your mind, obviously. Um, you know, playing against Chicago, they played well tonight. They worked hard and, and kind of threw a lot at us. But um, as the game went on, we, uh, we took over, which was nice. But uh, yeah, it's been a good ride, but uh, we're taking it game by game, for sure. Uh, looked like the happiest guy on the ice for you was Stuart Skinner. Uh, what's that relationship like? How's it grown between the two of you? Yeah, it's been really good. Um, you know, he's been electric lately. It's been fun to watch him play. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's single-handedly won us a few games for sure on the streak. So, um, you know, off the ice, he's a great person. Um, it makes it that much better for sure. So um, it was nice to see him excited for me. And, and uh, I just wanted to, you know, obviously he's been playing a lot lately. And it was good to get him out of the net and, and get me in there. So it's, uh, it's good. It's, it's a really good relationship we have. That's Cal Pickard, Oilers netminder, following the uh, Oilers 3-0 shutout over the Chicago Blackhawks last night. Uh, 27 saves for Pickard, 15th win in a row for the Oilers. Uh, His best save was probably early in the first period, besides the penalty shot, and they were both on uh, McKenzie Entwistle. The two-on-one early in the first period, Entwistle had the shot. It went off the blocker kind of arm and then off the crossbar. Uh, So he's had a couple of saves like that, uh, Cal Pickard has this year. I I forgot to mention off the top of the show, how about remember the... uh, Connor McDavid uh, Dickinson figure four leg lock competition they had. It was basically kind of like a couple of wrestlers going at it, tying each other up. Both got two minutes for holding, but uh, I digress. Great, great save on the uh, penalty shot on uh, Enwis. So that was the turning point of the game. It was one nothing for the Oilers at that time. Ends up to be uh, one nothing for the Oilers after the second period could have been easily 1-1 heading to the third period. When we come back in the next little bit, we will uh, have our two guests in studio. They'll probably be arriving around, oh, 9.25 or so, something like that, Laura and Jeff Walker. Uh, Before that, we will go to a break, and even before that time now for the Ski Report. Here is the lovely and talented (laughs) Donovan, the intern. This is... 
is the Sports 1440 Ski Report. This is your ski report for Friday, January 26th, brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Start your skiing journey at snowvalley.ca. The first weekend of skiing and riding on Marmot Basin's new knob quad chair will be the highlight this weekend. New lines that have never been lift accessible before are getting rave reviews after their first two days in operation. In the last day, Marmot has seen a trace amount of snow and 20 centimeters in the last 10 days. Down in Banff, park rats can rejoice as Lake Louise is unveiling its fourth and largest terrain park this weekend. The addition of 12 large to extra large jumps and rails will bring the total number of features at Louise's parks to 52. Louise has seen one centimeter in the last 24 hours and seven centimeters in the last week. At Sunshine Village, they've had one centimeter in the last day and four in the last week. No new snow in the last week at Norquay and Nakiska. Kicking Horse has seen 13 centimeters in the last week, while Revelstoke has received six in the last two days and 45 in the last seven days. Castle Mountain has had nine centimeters in the last three days, Fernie 10 in the last 24 hours, Panorama two in the last seven days, and Kimberly three in the last two days. Nordic trails in and around Edmonton are improving with fresh snow and mild temperatures. There's an Alberta Cup race at Gold Bar Park this Saturday and Sunday, which will reduce public cross-country skiing in the area. But there are still plenty of other options to choose from. Check out the Ski Yeg app for the most up-to-date cross-country info in and around the Edmonton area. Downhill skiing and snowboarding is also in full swing throughout the city as the local hills are wide open with great coverage. That is your Snow Valley Ski Report. All right, welcome back to the big program. So excited to have our next guest in studio with us for the next few minutes. Uh, Jeff and Laura Walker, welcome to Sports 1440. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us. You know, um, I felt guilty almost asking you to take some time out because you guys are so darn busy and traveling the world, traveling the country, raising two young kids. First, how the boys are how old now, Laura? And it's Weston and... Weston and Liam. Weston's Liam, yeah. about one and a half and Liam's about three and a half. Wow. So busy. It's very busy. So Jeff, you, you're traveling around. I mean, we talked about this. I did a story with you guys last year and I kind of wanted to follow up because you were both kind of, you know, just talking about the, the how tough it is and, you know, how you have to balance. How do you guys balance this, Jeff? I'm not even sure. Uh, I let my wife look after that and she does a phenomenal job. I'm not sure how we, we figure it out, but um, yeah, it's funny. She's got a Google calendar that I basically look at the day before, say, what am I doing tomorrow? And mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's tough. It's obviously a lot of single parenting um, between my schedule and hers. It seems like we're on, on the road opposite weeks. So a lot of single parenting, but uh, we get it done somehow. How often, Laura, does Jeff not look at the calendar properly? You know what? He's gotten a lot better out of necessity. Maybe before we had kids, it was a little bit like, oh, let's, let's go here this afternoon. And I was like, look at the calendar. We can't go there. <laughs> but now with the kids, he's kind of forced to. And typically if there's the odd mistake, it's because I put it in wrong. But mm. thankfully that doesn't happen very often. But we kind of need that to keep us on track. So kids are at daycare right now. And it's a little kind of a bit of a break in both the schedule for you. We uh, have um, like six days at home together, wow. which is a which is a long time. But uh, usually, it's like one or two days over that we're home together, and then the next person leaves. So we've got about six days, I think, mm-hmm. we're both here. Jeff, so where have you been with traveling? Uh, of course, Jeff with Brad Gushu, uh, the rink, uh, all over the place. A lot of bond spiels and a lot of events. Uh, uh, where have you been? How have you uh, kind of handled the, the rigors of travel and the success that the rink has had? 
Yeah, a lot of obviously a lot of places across Canada. Um, I guess the the biggest place this year we went to Japan. We played in Kurosawa International in Japan. It was our first trip there. Um, it was phenomenal. We ended up winning that one. Um, so it's been it's been a, a sort of an up and down year. Uh, we we've had obviously a lot of consistency over the last bunch of years, and I'd say this fall has been probably a little bit underwhelming for for our standards. But we like to to gear up at this point and, and get ready for the Briar, which is our next event in about five weeks. And it's changed how you qualify for the Briar, obviously, and the Scotties. That's changed over the years, but um, so you guys in are in as defending champions. So, but how do you stay on top of things and top of the game? And with your, I guess, the events that you are at, are you trying to peak right now, or kind of how's that work? Yeah, we we try to to peak for the Briar. That's sort of our number one at the start of every year. Obviously, we want to go in and win every event we play in, but it's it's not really realistic. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, our, our next one, like I said, is the Briar five weeks time. We got a couple training camps uh, coming up. I leave next week. We're all meeting in Toronto to to train as a team because we're obviously all over the country. Um, and then again, a few weeks after that, we're all going to St. John's um, mm. and we'll be practicing with the team and, and gearing up. But nothing for competition now. It's all basically just practice until we uh, hopefully get ready and, and feel like we're we're ready for the briar. Laura, what about your schedule? So for those of you that don't know, Laura, uh, about a year ago, decided to really just focus on mixed doubles because it's an Olympic event now. And uh, how has that transition, first of all, been for you you know, stepping away from the traditional, you know, four-member team to your doubles with the, your partner, Kirk Myers. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I people ask me all the time, do you miss the women's game? And my answer is usually no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really enjoy the mixed doubles game for starters, but I think, you know, Jeff said earlier that we play pretty much opposite weeks. If I was curling women's, that wouldn't be the case. We would be on the road at the same time. It'd be a lot more difficult with the kids. So um, that tra- part of the transition has been welcome just so that one of us is, is home a little bit more often. But um, no, I, I really like it. I've, I've been having a lot of fun and, uh, you know, our events are Thursday to Sunday instead of getting to a slam Monday morning and having to stick around all week to play one game a day. So we are off in about a week and a half to uh, Brantford, Ontario, where we play one of our our tour events. And then we're off until our nationals at the end of March. How does qualifying for, and again, you wanted to kind of concentrate on mixed doubles because of the Olympic cycle. How How does qualifying differ from the traditional you know, trying to, you know, get points, get the Scotties, get the Briar, et cetera, like that. How's it changed for mixed doubles? It doesn't change a whole lot, but the biggest change that happened this year, we just found out a few months ago that the mixed doubles trials are actually moved to this December. So December of, mm-hmm. end of December, 2024. So we'll have just over a year um, to prepare whoever that Olympic team is. We'll have from you know, a year and a month or so to be team Canada, they'll go to the world. They'll try to make sure Canada qualifies for the Olympics. So that's the biggest difference right now is the men's and women's teams have from November to February to, mm-hmm. to prepare. We're going to have a little over a year, but otherwise, you know, same thing. We're still trying to get enough points, to get into the trials, um, finish high enough at our national championship to maybe get into the trial. So there's a few different ways you can qualify, but it's kind of the same deal. Mm-hmm. Jeff Walker, Laura Walker in the sports 1440 studios here at West Edmonton Mall, uh, Kevin Carey show. It's at nine thirty-one in Edmonton. And so, Jeff, in the sense of, and I always have a hard time kind of descri- uh, describing this, but the, the the residency thing, how teams are uh, put together, has changed. It's an ongoing process. Can you kind of let our curling listeners know how that kind of works? And you sort of fell into this as well here in the last little bit. Yeah. So I guess they they made a change um, last year. Um, 
So not only if obviously defending champ Team Canada can go back uh, as long as they have three or four of the original members. Um, and now they're also qualifying three teams via the wild card. And the wild card actually don't have to... Uh, they don't have to be residents of the province. They can live all over. So there's no residency rules, mm-hmm. um, but it's the only op- only way that a team like ours could could qualify for the Briar if we obviously if we don't win and come back as Canadian champions because we can't play in the in the provincial championship mm-hmm. with two of us living in different provinces. EJ, our uh, teammate of ours, Harden, is, yeah. is in EJ Harden. Yeah, he's uh, he's Northern Ontario. Uh, myself, Alberta, and then two guys from from the Rock. So mm-hmm. we can no longer actually represent Newfoundland. Um, we have to qualify via winning the Briar and coming back as, as Team Canada or one of the wildcard spots, which is points based off the, the season. So if we don't have a good season and finish in the top three, it's it's unlikely you would see Team Gushu in the Briar. Right. So which leads me to you, Laura. So just recently you go to the uh, joining Curling Canada's Board of Governors. So with you coming on board there, I think basically the players wanted a voice. Is that simple to say that? And then kind of what voice do you want to provide? Uh, the other thing too, like I'm sure you're getting calls from all these curlers all over going, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? So we do have um, an athletes council with Curling Canada that was formed about two years ago. Um, so typically we'll have our meetings and then, you know, we hope that the people on those teams talk to their teams and kind of bring all, all of their thoughts forward. And then if there are, are still issues or topics after that, then I can bring it forward um, to the board as kind of the link between the Athletes Council um, and the board. Um, I think right now our biggest focus with the board is figuring out how we're going to keep an athlete on the board long term. I was appointed for a one year term and now we have to go through the process of changing the bylaws, the terms Mm. of reference and all of those things to make sure that we have athlete representation permanently moving forward. So right now that's kind of my number one priority being on the board is to make sure that we don't lose that voice. What's the reaction been from, I guess, curlers across Canada? Very positive. I think everyone, um, you know, there's a little bit of a feeling of this is a a long time coming and um, it's funny that, you know, and and no no knock at all to Curling Canada. I think it's just was the way that it was always done. This is sports across the country that we as athletes have to work so hard to have athlete representation at the national sport organization level when without us, the sport doesn't exist. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So um, I think we're just really happy that we've we've got to this point and, and the board, every, all the staff, like everyone has been super welcoming. The athletes have been really supportive. It's been nothing but a positive experience. So Jeff Walker, Laura Walker with us in Sports 1440 Studios. Has, has it been hard for you, Jeff, because of what's, I guess, curling Canada and all the rules and things for your decision-making and maybe I shouldn't play with this team. And I mean, you've had turnover on your team and you've, you've played with Brad for a long time, but it's always kind of coming into, into play. How's that kind of worked for you? Yeah. It's always something you got to think about when yeah. you're sort of forming your team for the next, uh, next Olympics, really. Like yeah. that's sort of where you, you form your team. And then the year, the year goal is obviously win the national championship. So there's always talk obviously between ourselves and, and, you know, the high performance director at the time, which was Jerry Peckham. Um, you know, what is coming down the pipe? Is there anything going to be changing in the residency rules? Um, obviously when you go back, you had to have all four from the same province Mm -hmm. Then they made it so you could have one out of province. Um, and then when we were forming this team with EJ, you know, we had the, you know, we were obviously worried we, we weren't going to have three players that lived in the province. So we were trying to see what was coming on the pipe. And, and luckily with our success, uh, I think that helped change the rule a little right. bit. And, and obviously a team like Rachel Holman, who's now living out here and, and had a bunch of success and one of our top athletes, they have to try to, you know, skirt the rules as much as they can to make sure Canada is competitive on the international stage. So that's, that's basically the reasons behind it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Laura, also besides curling and everything else, you were on a little bit of tour here. With it's called the Community Rocks Tour. Uh, you and uh, your partner uh, in mixed uh, Kirk Myers went and traveled kind of around Saskatchewan. What was that like? You know, the last two years doing this tour, I have seen some tiny parts of the world that I never <laughs> thought that I would see. Um, but it's it's amazing. Like we go to these small communities of. Of 1,500 people and there's 60 kids that come out to, yeah. to come out on the ice with us and um, the communities really welcome us. The kids have so much fun and I, I just don't know if you would get that kind of response in in bigger places. It's really mm-hmm. fun to go to these small towns and these rural communities where um, you know someone who plays on TV doesn't get to come see them very often. So um, it's a lot of fun and, and it's really rewarding for us to see the kids. You know, we had 16 or 18 kids at our last stop um, in Melfort, Saskatchewan come yeah. out who have never tried curling before. Wow. So it's it's really fun. And you were also in my hometown, Melville, Saskatchewan. What was that like? It, they, uh, I got a homemade scarf from one of the moms. <laughs> I got a t-shirt from Melville. They, they were amazing. That um, It's it's really f- cool to go there and see the community that comes together. Like everyone's talking about how the people that, you know, I'm quoting, work mm-hmm. at the curling club are all volunteer. Right. You know, they you just don't see that in a lot of places anymore. And um, it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, I'm going to tell you both a quick story and our listeners before we go to break and then we'll get into some other topics. But uh, Donnie Walchuk, great curler, you know, world champion, played with Pat Ryan and Randy Furby and Donnie Bartlett and all those guys from Melville. And he used to play hockey for my dad. My dad was his coach in the late 70s. And they were going to this hockey tournament, I believe it was in Weyburn, and Donnie said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to this t- tournament in Weyburn. I got a bond spiel to go to. And my dad just freaked out on him. Could you, like, think about back in the late yeah. 70s? Just absolutely freaked out on him and said, what's the matter with you? Where do you think this curling is going to take you, to the Olympics? That's what happened. So uh, we'll get your thoughts on a lot of other topics. How you, again, how you kind of balance and juggle kids and everything else and uh, some of your t- favorite curters and, and favorite places that you've played, uh, you know, all over the world. Uh, when we come back, it's uh, Jeff Walker, Laura Walker in studio, Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program, 940 in Edmonton. We've got Jeff and Laura Walker in studio at Sports 1440 in West Edmonton Mall. Thanks again for coming in. This is a lot of fun. Uh, the Duke is a big curler. I don't know if you knew that. He's been curling in the uh, Delburn 100. It's the 100th anniversary, Duke, of the Delburn Curling Rink. Wow. Of the club, yeah. Of the club. This uh, this year. So big big banquet tomorrow night to wrap up the, the Farmer's Bond Spiel this week. And the Duke is the MC of the banquet? Yeah, I don't know. Like, people ask me to do this stuff, and I just have, like, the hardest time saying no. Like, I grew up in the curling and stuff, so obviously a lot of uh, fond memories there. And I was planning on curling this week. But, like, when you're at a banquet like that, you kind of want to enjoy yourself, maybe cut a little loose for the full night. But then you, they mm-hmm. had to put a mic in your hand, so it will uh, take a, I'll have to, like, put that off a little bit for a few hours uh, over yeah. the course of the night. Uh, Laura, you had an... Uh, there was an interview because you've been curling and being pregnant the last uh, several years here, and you gave a bunch of tips to women curlers because there are so many women curlers that, out there that, you know, curl in leagues that are pregnant, and you gave a whole bunch of tips to them. I thought it was really insightful and helpful. So, so can you kind of just uh, touch on that? Sure. I think um, there's a lot of people from the, you know, the outside looking in that might especially now I think with social media people think that we kind of have it all together like oh she makes look so easy or like Rachel Holman comes back after two and a half weeks and Mm -hmm. wins a slam like oh my gosh and um it's I think the first thing to to really point out to other women out there is just how not easy it is and how much we also struggle with it and and kind of find a way so um I think 
I, I just would hate to see other women be hard on themselves because they think that, you know, oh, look at how easy she had her pregnancy mm-hmm. and everyone's different. And um, if you kind of get the right support system behind you, and I think um, look at it in a way where you don't strive for perfection. And that's been a really tough thing for me being I know high performance athletes yeah. where we're often we're, we want everything to be a certain way where we really are high, high kind of high achievers and to really just accept that like not every day is going to look how mm-hmm. you, you want it to. And some days are going to be really hard. Most days are going to be really hard. Um, but to, if, if you love it enough to try to, to find a way, I think, um, and then the, the physical aspect of it, obviously, um, again, everyone's different. You kind of have to work with your, your healthcare providers, but that was one thing that really helped me was seeking out that kind of physical support maybe before I needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pelvic health physiotherapy is not a thing that most people know about. And it's so important, especially when you're trying to be active shortly after you're, you're giving birth and, and being pregnant. Um, and just to give yourself some grace when things maybe don't go mm-hmm. the way that you want them to. Yeah. And Jeff, how about on your angle then? You, I mean, you're, your number one support group, you have to be there. And how was how that for you? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually amazing watching and the stuff that she has to obviously go through that you don't realize. And, and you know, she, like I said, she seeked it out. She went and did what she needed to do, and, and she was phenomenal with it. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, there's lots of women that obviously everybody's different, like she said, but there's lots of women. It's, it's, it's amazing watching it. You see, even on tour now, there's a lot of, a lot of, of the women's teams have young young kids. Yeah. Like one team, for example, Anna Hasselberg from, from Sweden. When she comes over to the events, they I think three of the four have kids and they bring all the kids, the husbands they have about they call it their traveling circus. Like they have about <laughs> twelve of them that are over. And that's a you know, that's a lot of commitment. That's a lot of a lot of cost, obviously flights, hotels and all that, and then trying to be able to curl and be the best. And it's it's pretty amazing to to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Walker, Laura Walker with us on Sports 1440. So let's have some some fun here with uh, the two of you. When's the last time, and now you have six days in a row, when's the last time you guys had like a date night because of your schedule? Our birthdays are both at the end of November. So Jeff took me out for, for dinner right around my birthday at the end of November. So that was, that's okay. pretty good for us actually. That was only two months ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a stretch where we had like four or five days in between where yeah. one of us was going to be gone. So we just did a mixed mix birthday and we went yeah. out for dinner. And the kids got really sick and we had to postpone it actually. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's our life. Yeah. Oh. Who has the better slide out of the hack? I think Jeff, Jeff is like, I've never seen Jeff have like a speed wobble, you know, mm-hmm. like that you kind of see sometimes like Jeff's a smooth operator. It's, it's just because I'm sliding slow. I'm throwing, <laughs> throwing guards and, and, and draws. I'm not throwing any peels. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we, you know, our, both of our deliveries, I'd say technically are, are pretty good. That's what you say when you actually mean me, but you don't want to tell your wife that it's me. <laughs> I asked you the same question last year when we did the story at Global. Uh, would you guys consider, and you have already, but going back down the road to be mixed doubles partners? It would be, uh, I definitely would consider it. I know, like, to me, Laura's one of the best women's female players in, in Canada, yeah. so I would love to have her as my partner. Um, logistically, might be a little bit tough, obviously, now with the kids, um, but maybe sometime when they're older and maybe if I'm not playing men, she's not playing women's. Yeah. Maybe we'll dabble a little bit and see how see how we are. We, we joke around that you look out there and, and a lot of these teams are very successful until they get married. <laughs> if they get married, then 
<laughs> they seem to fall off a cliff. And that's sort of what happened in our last year playing mixed doubles together. <laughs> yeah. How long ago was that, Laura, when you guys uh, played? 2018, we would have played a little bit and then uh, Jeff won the Briar and so couldn't come to mixed doubles nationals. And that's when I asked Kirk to play with me and we won the nationals and bronze of the world and never looked back. But 2018 would have been the last time we played, I think. Mm. Traveling around the world, favorite cities that you've played in? I'm going to say I just was there a few weeks ago. Madison, Wisconsin, randomly. Um, And because of the people and the curling club, with your entry fee, you have free food and drink included all weekend. The (laughs) food is made by like the nice ladies in the kitchen. It's awesome homemade food. Like it's just so much fun. The the community is really fun. And for me, I get to go to Target. So that's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough. I've I've been fortunate to be in a, f- a few places. Uh, Japan was great, but I'd have to go with uh, probably Switzerland. We we love going to Switzerland. Just the food there is great. Obviously, it's beautiful countryside. Um, I've been fortunate to be there a few times, and and yeah, it's a it's a great place to travel to. What was that Japan experience like for you earlier this year? Japan was great. Uh, it was our first, like I said, the first time for all of us going there. Uh, the hospitality there is second to none. Food was amazing. Um, it was. It was really cool. We Kirzau is almost a little bit more like a like a Jasper or Banff. You're mm-hmm. sort of more of a resort town. Um, so it was it was it was a beautiful place as well. And and uh, you know the it was just great. The the hospitality there is like I said, second to none. It's it's phenomenal. Jeff and Laura Walker with us in studio sports fourteen forty nine forty seven in Edmonton. Um, so. Jeff, you've got an Edmonton Oilers hat on. Big Oilers fan. Big Oilers fan, yeah. Uh, always like that because you grew up in Beaver Lodge and you had a similar story to Donnie Walchuk, but just uh, what's your hockey bra- background and were you always Oilers right from day one? Yeah, Oilers right from day one. My dad was an Oilers fan and hockey fan and yeah, I grew up um, obviously in a small town, Beaver Lodge, and uh, you're sort of, when you're from a small town, as you know, you, you seem to play every sport. You just... You get introduced to it and you, you play everything you can. Like I, like I said, I played hockey till I was, uh, I think, 15, mm-hmm. until I was in Bantam. And that's when I sort of started getting in competitive curling. So I uh, I was playing a little bit of both. And like I said, the story with, with Walchuk, I had a very similar scenario where I had to miss a hockey tournament. And it was a, it was like a playoff uh, provincial game to go to a curling bond spill because I couldn't <laughs> let my, my uh, four-player team curling team down. So, um, yeah, anyway, big Oilers fan. I've got to wear my hat today. They're on a heater right yeah. now. So we uh, look for hopefully we can get to that 17 and, and tie that record. Favorite players? Uh, obviously, you got to say yeah. McDavid is hard to hard to not. But but growing up, I always fought, when I followed him when I was younger, probably like Doug Waite, that was sort of the era mm-hmm. that those guys were there. and. Uh, obviously Ryan Smith, it's hard to hard to look past him. So uh, there's been a, there's been a few over the years. Laura, Eastern Canada. Yeah. I mean Leafs fan growing up. Yeah, oh, yeah. No. My email address as a kid was Leaf underscore fan one oh two at hotmail.com. Oh, <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Are you starting to convert? You know what? If if the Leafs aren't in the playoffs, I do like to see the Oilers in the playoffs. One for Jeff, it makes him happy, and also just like it's fun to be in a city where there's a deep mm-hmm. playoff run going on. So I would say that yes, they would be the next team that I would cheer for. But even this morning, we always fight with Liam. He this, said to Jeff this morning, "Daddy, say go Leafs, go." And Jeff's oh, like, "No, no. <laughs> that's not my vocabulary." I said, "But so it's bo- funny what we 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 change him. Like he's got Leafs pajamas. Oh. And I got to make sure he's wearing his <laughs> Oilers jersey and." and the boys, as you say, their their ages, and when we were talking, they're they're watching you on TV, and they're enjoying seeing mom and dad, you know, curl at all these big events. What's been the change since I last talked to you about that? About a year ago or so. Um, it's funny. It's like every time there's a woman on TV curling, and Liam's like, "Oh, it's mommy," and I'm like, "I'm sitting right <laughs> beside you." But um, he, I think he's 
grown up with it. So it's not, I don't think he's old enough yet to realize how cool it is that dad's on TV every weekend. Um, but now he'll see you know, like sweet daddy or he'll like mm-hmm. see dad on TV and, and kind of pay attention a little bit more now than he used to, I would say. Weston's still clueless. He's just like yeah. <laughs> running around bonking his home. head. Yeah. <laughs> when you were both growing up, who were your favorite curlers? Uh, and go with, like I mean, there's, there's a younger age as, as you say, Jeff, maybe fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, so. it would have been it would have been Kevin Martin early mm-hmm. on. Um, you know, obviously I followed the Alberta teams. You cheered for Alberta at the Briar, and and then as I got older, sort of into my teens and, and late into junior, is when Randy Furby's team was mm-hmm. sort of uh, ruling the world at that point. <laughs> so, you know, I was a big big fan of their all all their players early. Um, I always I like Scott Pfeiffer a lot, the sweeping mm-hmm. ability, and he seemed to. At, at the time, I feel like he was probably the best player in the world when they were sort of on their run. Huff and puff. Huff and puff and yeah. Mm-hmm. Marcel Rock, yep. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Laura. I um, I actually didn't watch a lot of curling until I was like maybe in university. I think I thought I was kind of boring to watch, to be honest, when I was a little bit younger. And I also didn't actually curl that competitively until probably a lot older than um, a lot of people. I think the, like Jeff said, playing a lot of different sports and trying different things is really overlooked in today's world, but mm-hmm. that's a whole topic for another day. But, um, so I didn't start watching until a little bit older and I, around the time Cheryl Bernard was going to the Olympics. And I, she's someone that I've always really admired, not just for like, she made so many clutch shots to like get through that trials and then the, win the silver at the Olympics, but also just the way that she, um, kind of conducts herself, views the game. Mm-hmm. She always was talking about like, you know, the perspective of winning a silver medal and just kind of looking at things positively. And that's something I've always respected. So we could make it a quick topic for now about <laughs> having, again, that it's balance. It's yeah. trying to be a little, it's trying to be good at a little bit of everything. So what's your thought process on that? I think I see a lot of, I, I've done a lot of coaching and I've worked with a lot of kids, worked at different sports camps and stuff. And I see the kids who only have curled mm-hmm. and they're not, nearly as good as the ones who come up playing different sports. It's just the way it is. They don't have the athletic kind of um, versatility. They don't see the game quite the same way. And then I see kids who start way later in life after playing a bunch of different sports and they just kind of get it. And I think um, not just for your physical body, there's a lot to be said for that, um, but just kids don't want to do the same thing every day. Mm-hmm. Like what you don't, I don't want to do the same thing every day. It's a grind for me to go to the curling rink every day. Um, and I think that there's just a lot you know, overlooked about like the mental health benefits for kids to try different things and to make sure that they're actually doing what they want to do long-term rather than being put in one thing and playing all the time. You know, I'm sorry, parents out there, not everyone's Connor McDavid and you want your kid to be happy, right? So. All-time curling um, teams, everyone talks about them. I I shot you off a text last night, uh, Jeff, to kind of give you a a heads up that I was going to ask you. So if you could put together your dream team, everyone talks about their, boy, if I could have my dream foursome in golf, it would be Tiger and Jack Nicklaus from any era. So if you can kind of express yours, and then, Laura, you can uh, follow that up with who you would, I guess. And you you can be on the team. You could be a fifth. You could be the alternate. You could be coaching, whatever you think. Yeah, when you when you sent that, I uh, I was thinking I'm going to go all Alberta and <clears throat> all from different eras. So I, I thought I'm going to be playing lead on the team for sure. Okay, um, <laughs> I'm playing lead, and uh, probably my f- one another one of my favorite curlers, and I had a lot of respect for, came up from the same area, the Peace Region, was Carter Rycroft. So he's going to be my second. I would love to have. He's a teammate I would have loved to have played with over my career. Um, and then you mentioned his name earlier. It's funny as I was going to have Don Walchuk his third because okay. when he was going in his heyday, there wasn't a third better. And then a different uh, way back era, just for I think stories and, and 
this was the era I would love to have played in just to, like I said, get the stories would have been the late, great Matt Baldwin. Oh boy, yeah. Um, you know, just, it's funny. I, I, I listened to a podcast with him about six years ago, I think it was five or six years ago. Um, the curling legends podcast and, and the stories that he just told mm-hmm. was just unbelievable and getting on the briar train and stuff. Like I couldn't imagine getting on the briar train in Alberta and going out East and just partying the whole time. And, yeah. and you know, the, like I said, just the stories from him. So, uh, a nice good old Alberta based team. Okay, cool. Laura. Okay. Well, like I said, I didn't watch a lot of curling till mm-hmm. I was older. So mine's like a, a bit of a newer team, but, uh, Don McEwen and Jill Officer. I'm going to put them together as my front end just okay. because they both work so well together, like best front end in women's curling, arguably of all time. So they're going to be my, my sweepers. And I also just think that they're awesome people. Um, if you know them, you would agree. And then I got a bit of a weird combo at third and skip. Um, Val Sweeting is going to call the game and throw third rocks. Um, Val, I think, is one of the most underrated players in the world, just as far as like her curling mind. So that's why I want her at the helm, calling line and all those things. And then Alina Petz is going to mm. throw last rock right now from Switzerland because I think she's probably the one of the best shot makers um, mm. ever. She's she's won six worlds. That's crazy. Yeah. So she's she's throwing last for me, and I'm on the bench with the binoculars, <laughs> <laughs> scouting out the rocks and stuff like that. Uh, can I give you mine? It's, yeah, it's a different, and I combined men's and women's. Just one woman. I didn't want to do two two because I knew I'd get in trouble with, if I excluded one guy. <laughs> so I did a documentary thirty years ago of the Scotties in um, Kitchener Waterloo. It was I had a fabulous time, but. If, 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 I thought we were going to go position by position. So Marcia Guterite was the lead right. for back then. It was Sandra right. Peterson was went back to Schmirler. So Marcia Guterite's from Hudson Bay, Saskatchewan. So I put her. I was lead. there. Yeah, we there, were there Hudson, on our tour. There you go, yeah. Hudson Bay. So Marcia, uh, Joan McCusker is going to kill me for the, not having her on <laughs> as well. But that's uh, when the heyday when I was kind of covering a lot back in the day. And then I had to put Wally Donnie Walchuk at second because he's a Malvo guy. But I put him at second. The guy I had to put in is Furby because. Mm-hmm. He phoned me right away and bitching, bitching, <laughs> complaining, saying, "Why? How come I wasn't on the list?" And then because Saskatchewan has never won the Briar since 1980, Rick Folk. There you go. So that's the only kind of. I, I thought maybe to get something back. I mean, that's yeah, like so long ago. And Saskatchewan's been close a couple times. Yeah, Rick's was, a great guy too. He's, yeah, he's he's awesome. I mean, I remember back. You know, I mean, Brad Height. He missed that one shot with Daisy was his third and. Everyone thought that this was going to be the, the time, and then there's been some close calls as well. With, yeah. You know, I, you know, Matt Dunstone and guys mm-hmm. like that. But uh, I had so much fun. This was great. I really appreciate you guys coming in. Uh, continued success, and I'm so glad that you are able to balance um, husband, wife, kids, curling, uh, events like your trip to Saskatchewan. It's truly amazing. I think all our, our listeners had a lot of fun listening to you today. So really appreciate you coming in. Thanks for having us. It was, it was fun. That's uh, Jeff Walker and Laura Walker, soon to be out on the road again at a curling rink uh, near you. Uh, when we come back top of the hour, we're going to talk a little Alberta Junior Hockey League with Tim Ellis, the voice of the Camrose Kodiaks, just called his... 1,000th game. So Ellis will kind of try to shed a little light from the AJHL perspective. A lot of still moving parts here. Uh, Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update brought to you by the Snow Valley Ski Club. Uh, All runs and lifts are open and ready for family fun seven days a week. Visit snowvalley.ca for details. Here is the Duke. 